we need we need help. We are people who need help from our first breath, if we we think of and are speaking of this first of of a Papawich baby coming from to the last the last breath. We're people in need. We might not always recognize it or even want to admit that we are needy. But in all honesty, we are those who are in need. We need help. We need prayer. I was reminded in the DNA group that I'm part of, that our small discipleship group, I was reminded this week in our study of a, a, a conversation that I'd often have with taxi drivers and maybe one that I've shared with you guys, but just to remind it again, uh, sometimes we don't think we need help, but we need help. And often when I was in China and getting a taxi, a taxi, they'd begin to ask questions. They'd ask me where I was from, where I worked, and then how much money do you make? It gets personal super quick. So, but it opens, you can be super personal right back. So it's always good. And often I would ask, well, what do you trust in or what do you believe in? It's kind of a similar word in Chinese. What do you trust in? What do you believe in? And a lot of times they'd say, I believe in myself. Um, and I'd be like, oh my goodness, that's probably, there's not a lot of hope there. Because I know, I know, like when I, if I just try to trust myself, my, I get sick, my wisdom fails me, I'm always needing to learn things. And man, if I'm my only hope, but we, we need help. Um, we are not full of ultimate wisdom on our own. Uh, we get sick. We are weak. We need help and we need prayer. Even in this passage that we look to today, it's a prayer. And throughout Ephesians, we see several prayers. And Paul prays for the early church. These are prayers that we can take up. And in verse 15, in the beginning of the section, he says, for this reason. And for this reason, he's looking back to all the things he has said. Remember, last week, there were all of these blessings that he spoke of. Uh, those of that we, we've been chosen in Christ, we've been adopted as sons and daughters before time even began. We've been redeemed, delivered from sin and this empty life through Jesus. And we've had the mysteries of the gospel made known to us and we've obtained eternal, lasting inheritance and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And all of these things, all these great truths, and we see that Paul begins to pray that we would even, we need the, the, the Lord's help to even grasp all of these things and all of these more things that he's going to speak about, even in this prayer. And he prays that we would, would gain wisdom and understanding. We need help. We need to be prayed for. Uh, a commentary that's a trusty commentary from old um, Henry, Matthew Henry. It's been a staple of a commentary that many of you maybe um, grown up in the church are familiar with it. Matthew Henry, and he says this about this passage. God has laid up spiritual blessings for us in his Son and Lord Jesus Christ, but requires us to draw them out and fetch them by prayer. Even the best Christians need to be prayed for. And while we hear of the welfare of a Christian friend, we should pray for them. Then he goes on and says this, And if we dispute less and prayed more with and for each other, we should daily see more and more what is the hope of our calling and the riches of the divine glory in, his, in this inheritance. We need to be a people who pray. So Paul begins, and we see that, that even 15 through 17, that we need prayer. 
that first point. This we need to pray and we need to be prayed for. So Paul prays. And he's, he's one who is a prayer. You see this in all of the different letters. That he is praying for the churches. He's praying for those he writes to. Because he knows that we need prayer. And he's praying that in this, that we can gain, we can understand, both know intellectually, but know and experience these truths and know our God. So he prays. And and again, yeah, Paul, he's this continual person. He prays. And he prays. Who does he pray for? Those in the church, as he said, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So he's praying for the believers in the church and that they place their faith in Jesus. We saw that even last week in verses 15 and right before this about them putting hope and believing in. There's a faith that they have in Jesus Christ, and, and there's fruit from it also. Um, when there's true faith, there's fruit that's flowing out, and they're loving. There's love toward all the saints. They have this belief, and there's this fruit, and Paul prays for these believers. There are those who have already accepted Christ. There's fruit flowing, flowing, I don't know, flowing out from them, and he prays. And how does he, he pray? Well, he's one who prays he prays never in a way that he's just unceasing, unremitting, this continual prayer. He's just always a guy who is praying. He's interceding and praying for brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know from Paul that he knows that his dependence is upon the Lord. And he prays. It's not that the Lord doesn't know these requests and these needs, but he calls us into relationship with himself, and he calls us to pray. We rest in the Lord. So he's one who, who is unremitting in his prayer for others. And he prays, and we see that. Again, he's praying to the Lord God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one true and only God. He's praying to him, and we also see him refer to the Lord. God is the Father of glory. He's the Father of glory. Maybe your translation says the glorious Father. He's one who is full of glory. He's one who pours out glorious grace that we learned about last week upon us. He's the God of glory. He's great. He's other. He's preeminent. He's like no other. He's worthy of praise and he's glorious. It's funny, this week I had on Groupon, I purchased a Groupon. Um, Not very exciting, but I purchased a coupon there. I don't know if you've ever used Groupon, but after I purchased that on my phone, a little bit later, I got this notification that said, it said, thank you for your purchase. Behold its glory here. And I thought, a coupon has glory. So you know, I didn't need to understand that there, our God is more than, than a great deal on Groupon. There's something even we've lost. We need help, right? Our standards of glory are so low that a great deal... Behold the glory. No, no. The God of glory who is other, we pray to. We can go directly to in prayer because of Christ. And he prays. And then Paul begins this prayer. And in verse 17, the second half into 18, we see that he prays for greater knowledge and experience of God. That we would know him. So let me find that here. May give, may the Lord, the Father of glory, may give you, he prays, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you might 
begin to say all of these things that he prays for us. So he prays that God would reveal this, that we would have the Spirit. Remember last week, he taught us that, that we, were, we are sealed with the Spirit. It's a down payment of the things to come, but may we be continually filled with the Spirit. You see that later in Ephesians 5.18, he says, to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, and that we might have the Spirit's help in these things, to know that the Spirit of wisdom, of revelation, of insight, that we might grow in knowledge of God, knowing Him, and also knowing Him intellectually, but relationally, knowing our God. And we need, we need help for this. He is the God of glory, the great I Am. He's not easily understood, which is a good thing. If, if we could easily today say, these are all of the things we'll ever know about God, we can understand every part today, systematize it, and go out. Well then, um, if we could figure everything out about God, he's not the God of glory. Uh, I believe the, the things of God and his character and his workings and who he is will be something that we will dig into for all eternity. We'll never reach the depths. We need his help. We need the Spirit to help us to grow in knowledge, to grow in understanding of Him. And there's so many things in this life that we can grow in knowledge of, and we pursue a lot of things. We want to understand this better or that better. We want to understand maybe health topics better, or that might be politics, or, or whatever it might be that you might dig into. But there's no better thing that we can dig and know more about than knowing our God. The one true God and how great and wonderful he is and how fruitful it is of an endeavor to know about God. J.I. Packer in a book that you may be familiar with or at least heard the title, Knowing God. He says this, we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is who runs it whose world it is. So we want, we should know God. This is his world. We should dig in. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place, and life in it is a disappointment and unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to, yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds us. This way, you can waste your life and lose your soul. Or aim in studying the Godhead. Our aim, our aim in studying the Godhead must be to know God himself better. Our concern must be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with the doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God whose attributes they are. So we need to study in, to, to live this life in this world created by our God and not know him is to stumble through this life. So we need to know him. And it continues in verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. We pray that the eyes of our, our heart might be enlightened, that we might know, that we might know more, that we might be able to grasp these spiritual truths and the blessings that we have and all these things that Paul has been speaking about and all these things he is going to speak about, uh, may the hearts, the eyes of our hearts be enlightened. May we know him. And this is this prayer that we might know. And then Paul begins and he, he 
speaks about three specific things that we need to grow in knowing better. So he prays that we might understand and know, really know these three things in 18 through 22, second half on. These three things, that, that of hope, of our inheritance, and that of, of power. And we're going to walk through one at a time. So the first is that hope that we see. He says, he prays that we might know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope to which he has called you? So we, we have this calling. We've been adopted as sons and daughters of the Lord through Jesus Christ. And we have hope. We have a great hope. We have great hope in Jesus Christ and great peace. We have an assured eternal life in him. Paul, at the, the very first week we were in Ephesians, we talked about Paul and his testimony and how Jesus came to him and radically changed him. And he gave this testimony before King Agrippa. And before he gave this testimony, he said this in Acts 26, 6 through 7. He said, and now I stand here on trial. This is Paul speaking. I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to obtain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I'm accused by Jews and kings. So Paul, he said, I, he, he was in prison because of his hope in Jesus. He said, and this is the hope that the Jews have had from the very beginning, the hope of the Messiah, the hope of redemption. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And I've trusted in him and he is my hope. And because of him, I'm in prison. And even as he wrote Ephesians, he was in prison because of his hope. But in hope, he still, or in prison, he still had hope. He had hope of Jesus Christ, and he walked in great hope. And he's praying that we might walk in hope and grow in the hope of our calling and live in it and walk in it and breathe in it and rest in it, that same hope. Paul speaks about this hope again in Titus, his letter to Titus. Chapter 2, 11 through 14, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, speaking about Christ coming, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself us up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So he just spoke of this hope that we have. We have gained it and we are still wait too for the return of Christ, the fulfillment of all this hope. And this hope is not a fleeting hope. Just like we flippantly might think of something as being glorious, we do that with hope as well. And we've talked about that several times. That th this isn't the type of hope like today. I hope I hope to go eat at Texas Roadhouse. It's not that kind of hope. It's not. I hope that the Broncos will beat the Ravens. Well, and this year it's actually a little bit greater of a hope than last year. But that's still not the hope. He's speaking of. He's speaking of a true, unfading, undefiled, secure hope in Jesus. A true hope. This is what will happen. He prays these things. What a great prayer. If you're ever wondering, what should I pray for somebody? Pray these things. Pray that they would understand the hope of their calling. 
I can't imagine ever someone up coming up to me and saying, hey, can I pray that you would grow in hope, the hope that you have in Jesus? I would never say, no, please don't pray for that. But pray for that. May we pray that for one another. What a great prayer. And then he continues to pray that we would understand the greatness and wealth of his glorious inheritance. And there is some debate here about this inheritance and what he's speaking of. Is it this inheritance? He's saying his inheritance, God's inheritance, as both in the Old and New Testament, there are times where it speaks of the people of God being God's inheritance, his inheritance. And there's some that understand that that's what Paul is speaking of, but I feel like in context of 11 through 14 and him speaking of this inheritance that we have already in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit, it seems like this inheritance is all that we gain through Christ. Um, Paul speaks about that in Colossians 1.12 as well. He says, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Or Romans 8.32, which we looked at last week. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not freely or graciously give us all things? Who will bring who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? This is nothing to you. We have all of these things in Christ. And spoke last week of, of what this inheritance includes. Not limited to, but what does it include? Well, it includes our peace in Christ, our rest in him, our full experience of the presence of God for all eternity, absence of sin and suffering, experiencing life abundant in him for all eternity, and being able to see Christ face to face, and being beyond all we can ask or imagine. We have this inheritance in Christ, and it's that which will be beyond imagined. It won't disappoint. It's not like things of this world that disappoint all of the time. Uh, I re- learned recently, I think one of our kids was watching a video where they were opening up, I guess you can buy these things called mystery boxes, where you can buy a box for $100 and they send it to you, and it's whatever's in there is worth $100, and it's like a surprise. And... Um, I would think that would be disappointing all the time. But our hearts, they long for like just something exciting. But this in our heart will fully fulfill when we are in the presence of our God for all eternity. And the inheritance of him is not like a mystery box where like, can I put in this sack? I would get a pair of shoes that don't fit you. It's not going to be like that. And then he continues, and then we see this great power that we have in Christ. The immeasurable, incomparable incredible greatness of God's power that he prays that we will we will experience and know and what is the verse 19 and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the workings of his great might so here Paul stacks all of these different words together to say this is amazing what we have this power that we have in Christ it's immeasurable the greatness power, great might. He stacks all these words up to say, this is amazing. I I don't know if you're like me, but I enjoy a good superhero movie. I know some of you are probably totally burnt out on them, but 
I enjoy them, and I especially enjoy the ones where um, they have different movies where it might have one character or one superhero, but then they have some where they all bring them all together. I love those ones because you have all these beasts all together, and you're like, this is so great. But this is so much better than this. This is saying this greatness. This Paul stacks all these words up to say this is amazing that we have in him, the power that we have in Christ. It's saying we are not defeated. We are not defeated. The trials and the dark valleys that we walk through, or maybe you are walking through right now, they're not our destination. They're part of our journey in the moment. But the Lord is leading us to that day when we will see him face to face and be able to experience the fullness of the glory of our God for all eternity. So we walk in that now. So Paul prays for these things. And he's not praying that we would receive them, but he's saying, this is what you have now in Christ. Be aware of this truth. You're not alone. Jesus has risen from the grave. He is resurrected. He's not in the grave. And our lives ultimately are not defeated. So we can walk as children of the light. Later in Ephesians, he's going to call us to walk as children of the light. We can do that because Jesus is risen. Yes, we will stumble along the way, but we're not alone in it. And we have the power of Christ walking with us, enabling us to get up and walk forward. It's kind of like we studied this summer in, in Psalm 23 of our Good Shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have the comforting power of Christ. Paul prays for all of these different things. And of John Stott, in his commentary, he points out something that I think is helpful. Paul points and he says, may you understand the hope of your calling. Kind of looking back to that first moment where God began that work in our lives. And then may we know the riches of his inheritance, looking forward to things to come and then being aware of the power of God given to us now, today, in our daily life, in the present, where vision we have to walk. So may we be aware of these things. May we grow. May we pray this for one another. Even this weekend, I have a friend who's going through some challenging things, and, and I was like, I need to pray this for him and let him know I'm praying these things for him. We need to pray this for one another because we, we struggle to be aware of these truths. We struggle to rest in these promises. As I mentioned before, sometimes we have spiritual apnea. And apnea is where you wake up a whole bunch of times in the night and you need help. We're a lot, a lot that way in our resting in the truths of the gospel and of who we are in Christ. And, and we need to be reminded of these things often. And then he speaks of this power. Like how does he describe, how are we to understand this power? Well, we look to Jesus. We look to the cross, which sums up the person and the work of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, and his resurrection. And we look to these things. And Paul, again, he's going to stack up all of these things just to speak about this power as we are to look to Jesus. So may we prayerfully look to and know Jesus. And he tells about five different things that we should see in Christ and be reminded of this power that we have in him. So it begins, verse 20 great might that he works in us, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So first we look to Jesus resurrected. 
conquering death and sin. Again, he's not in the grave. He is, he is resurrected. He is alive. He is risen. He's demonstrating his authority over death and sin. And we can rest in these things. And we think of this as the resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed everything. Even our dating system, our history looks back to Christ and his birth. We think of these things. In Christ, he rose again. He defeated death. Now, in this world, we often try to defeat or at least minimize or prolong um, the coming of, of the end of our life. But in all reality, we can't. And there's a lot of ways that and we try to do that. Our, our society or the world tries to do that. And new ways that we come up with, like cryogenics or trying to upload all of our memories and thoughts into a computer that maybe it can be downloaded into some sort of robotic person. I don't know. That's not going to work. But, uh, but then in ancient times as well, you think of it in the, in the, um, in the East, just the idea of that of, of chi where they're seeking to create or to, there are those who are seeking immortality by creating or by gaining energy from the earth of that chi that they might be immortals. And I met uh, many years back, someone who that was what they were trying to do, to seek immortality. Um, but that's just not going to happen. We can try to go with a super healthy diet or exercise, and it's just not going to happen. But this week, in a, a, news, a news video thing that we watched with the kids called World Watch, it's really great. Um, it's by World uh, Magazine, their World News Group. But anyway, uh, they were talking about that on the earth there's five blue zones, I don't know if you're familiar with those, where people, there's five different areas on the planet where people per capita live a lot longer than other places. Um, and just so you know, none of those are in the U.S. We're way too stressed to be, <laughs> for that to be our very, no, it wasn't, it wasn't in California, there's other places there. So, um, but anyway, uh, it's just not going to, we can't, it's the point that we can't defeat death. Moving to a blue zone is not going to do it. But Jesus, he is risen. All right? He is risen. He is risen. I think Caleb got that one. He is risen. Look to Jesus. All right? Then we see, we look to Jesus. He's enthroned. He's enthroned. I have so many notes and markings on my, in my little notebook here. I'm having trouble finding my, my spot. I need to have a cleaner Bible here. All right. Okay. So he is he is risen. He's, they seated him at his right hand. He, he is, they seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So he's seated at the right hand of God. He's enthroned above. He's ascended. He's victorious. He's finished this redemptive work and he sits victorious at the right hand of God. Remember Jesus, he, he rose again. He appeared to the disciples and more than 5,000 at one time. And he ascended into heaven, and he promised that he would return. So he sits victorious. He's exalted. He's our king. He reigns. Look to Jesus. And then we look to Jesus exalted above all. Exalted above all. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He's above all authority. He has no equal. He rules over all, all authority, all, pow all power, all dominion. There's no earthly ruler. There's no politician. There's no strong man or whatever it might be. And also there's no 
also no power or difficulty that can rule over us. No, no, Christ is above all of those things. There's no leader or politician that can share the stage with Jesus. It's just not to be. He should never, we should never put him in the same space or the same teacher or whatever it might be. He is above all. In past, present, future, Jesus reigns, period. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We look to Jesus for our hope and no one else. He is our hope. And then we continue. We look to Jesus who has dominion over all. He has dominion, very similar here. And he put all things under his feet. This idea of a dominion. The first Adam was supposed to have dominion, uh, but he fell short. The second Adam is fulfilling. And we see this in part now, and we'll see it in full at the return of Christ and when he reigns in his kingdom. Dominion. Look to Jesus. And then we see, look to Jesus who is the head of the church. Who is the head of the church. Starting at the at verse 22. And gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. He's the head of the church. We are then the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And he fills us. All we have is Christ. We sing that sometimes. Sometimes that song of all we have, but we as a church can say, all we have is Christ. And he is the head, and we are his hands and his feet. It's been said before, the church is not an institution, but an organism. He, it is more than just something we go to once a week, but it's, it's the body of Christ. And it's in bodies we gather, not just on Sundays, but yes, as we gather on Sundays, but throughout the week, and we're together we find the grace of Christ with us. It's so significant. We, we are those who need to continue to point each other to truth. We need one another. And, and we did feel the loss of that during our time of not being able to gather during the lockdown time. We, we feel that. We need one another. We need to continually point one another to Jesus. We need the gathering. It's God's provision. And in it, Christ is in our midst. He is the head. Yes, we are those who are saints who, who still wrestle with sin, and it's messy. It can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. We can get hurt at times, but we need to commit to one another to know that Christ is with us, and we wrestle, um, but it's, it's okay. We look to Jesus. It's his provision. It's his easier. So Paul he calls us to live in light of all of these eternal truths. To be a people who are constantly in prayer for one another and, and needing prayer. And sometimes, as James says in the, in the letter of James, the epistle of James, that we, we don't have because we don't ask. We need to ask. We need to pray. We need to, to stop always looking to ourselves or our problems or our dreams or our ambitions or whatever these things that might get us off track back to these truths 
that can be so easy to happen in this marathon of our life. Uh, this week I, I heard of a marathon. I don't remember where it was, but it's one where um, an American actually won the marathon. But it was because the two Kenyans that were first and second, they didn't see where the path went. And they went straight when the path like had a corner. Um, but sometimes we live that life. We, we, we get off track and we need to be pulled back. And the church is together. We, we can do that also. Encourage one another. Even, even pastors, we can, we can get kind of off track and make church all about me. Not that I ever do that. But <laughs> we struggle. We can get off track. We need to remind one another. I need you. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we, we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Today is a close. I'm just going to read. We're going to sing a song at the end um, that we're going to close with called Before the Throne. It's one we've sung before. It just has such rich words that we need to be reminded of. These are the things that we, we gather, we sing, and one of the reasons we sing is, is that we're speaking truth. We're reminding one another, so we need to listen in and sing to encourage one another. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, who lives and ever pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid him thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because a sinless Savior died, my soul is counted free. For God, is, is the, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One in himself I cannot, one in, one in himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ, my Savior and my God. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we, we need to be reminded of, of truth. We thank you for your word that even instructs us, even instructs us this morning that we need to pray for one another. May we be faithful to even just have the practice as we walk through Ephesians, just to, to go back to these, these words and pray for one another here at Derby Hill and, and across the world to grow in these things. Lord, help us to look to Jesus. Help us to be reminded that he reigns. He is over all. Help us to be reminded be reminded of the hope of our calling that we have in Christ, that we are adopted, that we are, we are brought in, that we are yours. Help us to be 
reminded of the inheritance that we have, that you have given us, that we will get to to enjoy forever. Lord, help us to be reminded that we are not alone, but that the risen power of Jesus Christ is with us, that you are with us, that you guide us, that your rod and your staff, that they comfort us as well. And Lord, I pray that if there are any who have yet to rest in Christ, that even now that you would give them faith to believe, to see their sin and their need for Jesus and the only hope that's found in him, that even this morning that they might turn from their self and their sin and trust in you as Lord and Savior. May you do that miraculous work in their hearts and their lives right now. Jesus said